there is a, um, a million things that we could worship the Lord about. We, we praise the Lord for being here. We praise the Lord for another day of life. We praise the Lord for the sun. We praise the Lord for the rain. We praise God for all these different things. And today, I hope that you've got a reason to praise God for. And if you don't, if you're like Danny, there's not a lot I can praise God about today. It's just, today's just not my day. I hope by the end of this, you have a reason to praise God. Go ahead and turn with me to Psalm chapter 8. We're finishing up our series here this summer in the Psalms, Psalm chapter 8. And while you're turning there, I want to read you a story from 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 8. You don't need to turn with me there, but just listen. It's uh, the widow of Zarephath is the title of this story. It says, Then the Lord said to Elijah, Go and live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Sidon. I have instructed the widow there to feed you. So he went to Zarephath. As he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks. And he asked her, Would you please bring me a little water in a cup? As she was going to get it, he called to her, Bring me some bread too. But she said, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. And I have only a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal, and then my son and I will die. Does that sound like a woman who has hope or is hopeless? Hopeless, right? And understandably so. I've never been in that situation, nor can I imagine being in that situation where we don't have enough food for me, for my family, just enough for one last meal, and, th- and that's it. That is a hopeless situation. And even though we read in verse 8, God had said, I have instructed the widow there to feed you. That's a monumental leap of faith for her to take. Parents, those of you who have children, you want to take care of your kids, right? And so you're being asked by God, give your last meal to this other person. It's like, but what about my kids? Hopelessness, right? Before we, I'm prefacing this because I want to remind us all today that God's word, it gives us hope. It gives us hope not only for the present, but for the future. And look at this. The word of the Lord came through Elijah. Verse 13, he says, But Elijah said to her, Don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you've said, but make a little bread for me first. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. There will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and crops to grow again. So she did as Elijah said. And she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. There was always enough flour and olive oil left in containers, just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. This is the word of the Lord. The reason I read you this story is to preface what we're about to read and to remind you that God is in control. That God upholds the universe through his might and his power. And at the same time, he's in control of everything in our lives, everything that goes on in the world. And we see that he cares. He cares for each and every one of us as his children. And that's awesome. And I hope you find it more awesome as we continue to read this psalm. But before we jump in, let's just take a moment to pray. 
God, we acknowledge you this morning that you are the sustainer of all, that apart from you, Lord, that we can do nothing, that we would not be here. And Lord, as we just take these next 30 minutes just to delve into Psalm 8, Lord, I pray that you would help us to be attentive to your words, to your spirit, Lord. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 8 is a beautiful psalm. It's a psalm of David. As many of his psalms are, they're just phenomenal. And this is a psalm of praise. It's a, it's a song similar to like what we sang. Maybe a little less, you know, drums and bass and all that. But that, that's different times. 3,000 years ago is when this was written. And yet the beautiful thing about that is that even though it was written 3,000 years ago, it's as applicable to them as it is to us today. Now, 3,000 years ago, they didn't have the printing press. They didn't have the ability to copy, uh, photocopy anything. They would actually have scribes that would transcribe uh, from, from one scroll to another text, and they were very diligent about that. They were diligent because they knew what they were handling was holy, that God's word was powerful. And so the scribes had to be disciplined in the way that they would, uh, they would write and uh, so much so that when they would write this word, I don't know, some of you might recognize this is the name of God. It's actually the first word in the psalm. Oh Lord, it is Yahweh. So when they would write this, they would go through a process where they would grab a quill, they would write Yahweh, and fun fact, if they were uh, a good portion of the way through the scroll and they messed up on this word, you know what they would do? They would trash the whole scroll. Because you can't. Because they understood the reverence, they understood who they were talking about, the creator of the heavens and the earth. So they would write, they would take their quill, they would write Yahweh, break the quill, burn it, go, ceremonially cleanse, come back, grab a new one, and pick up where they left off. That's quite the process. I'm not advocating that, but I'm trying to tell you this for this reason. They understood the holiness of God, that who we are reading about here is not just any old person or being, but the great I am, the one who was, who is, who is to come. And the reason that I want to share this with you is to remind us and set the tone that we are dealing with the King of kings and Lord of lords, the one who upholds the world through the power of his hand and at the same time listens to your prayers. Some of you prayed this morning. Don't raise your hand because I don't want to see the hands that didn't get raised. But some of you prayed this morning. God listened to you. And he also kept our earth in orbit so that we don't go flying off into the vast expanses of space. Um, he listens to your prayers. He cares for you. So we read verse 1. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. That first word is Yahweh. That word right there, it's the name of God. So holy that the scribes had this whole process so holy that it wouldn't, uh, Hebrews would not say this name. Yahweh, our Adonai is the next word. That's king, it's a title, it's a name exclusively for God. Yahweh, our Adonai, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Before we get to majestic, I want to look at the third word. Oh Lord, what's the third word? Our. Our is a personal word. It's personable, meaning this, that we can know God. We can know God through his word, through the indwelling of his spirit. We see his power 
His glory testified in all creation. God is knowable. Then we get to the word, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. That, the word majestic there, it's an emphasis on something mighty. Think of something mighty and strong, a very strong person or a strong vehicle or something. Think of something majestic that you see and you just like, whoa. God is this and so much more. Human words can't even come close to describing. But David, he just has this outburst of praise. Yahweh, our Adonai, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You've heard the phrase, their reputation precedes them. Yes, hopefully good reputation. But when someone says your name, when they say, I'm, I'm going to pick on you, Brant, sorry, because you're right here. When they say Brant Barron, hopefully something good comes to your mind. Awesome, good friend. Good son, I love it. I was going to make a joke, but that's much better. <laughs> Thank you for interjecting. Brant's reputation precedes him. And in the same way, we look at the Lord, God's name, his name, his reputation precedes him. Power, might. We could sit here, I could ask you, think of, when you think of God, what are words that come to your mind? The almighty, sovereign, good, just, holy, and on and on and on it goes. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. And we get into verse 2. Out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. Let me read this to you in the New Living Translation. It says this, You have taught children and infants to tell of your strength, silencing your enemies and all who oppose you. Think of this. God uses, the illustration here is that God is using the weak and the small to proclaim his strength and his glory. And that is so true of people like me and people like you. God uses weak, broken, and feeble people like us to proclaim his glory and his strength. And that is so much like God. Why? Because what good would it be if me and my strength, I'm up here in all my wisdom and all my intellect, and I preach a good sermon, and you're like, wow, Danny did a great job. No, it wasn't Danny. It was through the power of the Holy Spirit because in my weakness, he is made strong. We see his strength through weakness. And so it's ironic that God demonstrates his strength using children. But there's, there's another lesson I want us to glean from this verse. And this verse is strategically placed here to preface us for what is to come. And let me just go ahead and look on the screen here. Matthew 21 verse 12 says this. And Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who sold and bought in the temple and he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons and he said to them it is written my house shall be called a house of prayer but you make it a den of robbers and this beautiful miracles start happening and the blind the lame came to him they came to jesus in the temple and he healed them and we would all be like Praise God, this is amazing. And that was the right reaction that they should have had. But look at this. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna, which means God saves or God save. Hosanna to the son of David. The son of David, that term, that is a messianic term. It, it was confirmation that they were saying, this is the guy this is the Christ. 
This is him, the one we've been waiting for, the anointed one of God. You, your scribes, read the Old Testament. You know it's prophesied here. And the children. How many of you are children? Raise your hand. Thank you for raising. Yeah, children, these little ones. They were crying out, Hosanna, the son of David. They recognized him. And the chief priests and scribes were like, you're right. No, they were indignant. Jesus responds and he says to them, do you hear what these are saying? Excuse me, that's what they said. Do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, yes. Have you never read out of the mouth of infants and nursing babies, you have prepared praise? Amazing. The leaders are silenced by who? Silenced by children. I'm the youth pastor, so obviously I'm going to be biased. This is a picture of our last, uh, this is Wednesday, our kickoff. I love to see this, and I love to share this with you. To tell you this, we have kids who are coming, who are hungry to know the word of God. We also have kids who are hungry because there's pizza. (laughs) But... I would like to believe that most of them are there because they're hungry to know the word of God. Um, But in all seriousness, we have a core group of kids that love Jesus, that want to know more about him. These are children out of the mouth of babies. God's strength is being proclaimed to their friends, in their schools, in their families. Did you know that many of these kids, this is the only touch point where they interact with anything related to the gospel? It's awesome. Many of these kids don't even go to our church. They either don't have a youth program themselves or they don't have a home church or their families are not Christian. And they come here because they found hope and truth. It's beautiful. Out of the mouth of babies, God's strength is proclaimed. Um, Look at another passage, Matthew 18, verses 1 to 4. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? I love the disciples. They're just so like us. They're like, who's the best? Verse 2. And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them. That's, you know, I won't go into that. But And he said, truly I say to you, unless you become like one of these children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. What is it that children have? Jesus says this. This is what they have. Humility. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, not the one with the most schooling, the most sound doctrine, the best church attendance, the most well put together. No, the one who is humble. And Jesus says this, you must become like one of these to enter the kingdom of heaven. I love working with kids, obviously. I hope that you can see that. Um, Children have a unique sense of innocence and humility when it comes to things of the faith. I'm experiencing that right now, and it's so awesome because my kids are, are uh, six, uh, four, and three, and they're learning about God, and they're like, God, and my son keeps stumble, stumping me, and, and I study apologetics, and so it shouldn't stump me, but he keeps talking about the Trinity. Well, God, there's the Father, and then there's God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and then he, so he's asking me all these questions, and then, you know, what, what about, can God lift this? How big is God? And they're just like mind blown every time I give them an answer. It's awesome. And so there's this innocence, this humility with that. And so going back to Psalm 8, the challenge is this. Many of you have read this passage many times. And I love to see all the gray hair here. 
because many of you have been walking with the Lord for a lot longer than I've even been alive. So you've read this passage many times. You've seen creation many times. You've heard these words many times, and it can become so easy to just become so used to and accustomed to everything because we've learned this so much. So the challenge for us is to be in awe, just like it was that first time that you learned that. What? God is how big? What? God loves me? He sent himself, his son to die for my sin? That humility of a child. I want to show you a clip. And it's just, it's just so endearing and it's so, um, nothing to do with this, but it's just, it, the reaction of the children, pay attention to this. It's just very pure. You've maybe seen this before, but. Let me, let me, let me call him. You have to act like they got, like you got them, like they got you. Oh, let me call him. Guys, guys, oh, he's going to open the door. I love that. The dad's like, again, and the kids are like, we got him, and it's just like, they're just, it's that, that innocence that, you know, and, and so I hope that kind of illustrates this, that that's why verse two is here, is to get us to, to focus on what it means just to be in awe of God, to be humble and, and dependent, and, and, and look at this, because this is what happens, this is what we read. When I look at your heavens, we've all looked at the heavens many times, many times, and you guys, if you've known me for a little bit, you know I'm a space nerd, I love stars, I love art, and you'll see some pictures here. But when I look at the heavens and the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, this is God's work. His fingers just here, 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 and he set each and every one of those in place. Did you know that if you take, if you go up in the sky and you go like this and you say these, just these amount of stars, I'm going to dot them all. You couldn't even live long enough to put a single point uh, on a piece of paper because you would die. There's just so many stars and yet God, just like that, placed them all with his fingers. His art, he is an artist. Uh, you know, it, when I think of my, my art, I, it, this is the, this is, his, there's the sun, this is the moon. Some craters and a star. Oh, no. Now you know I'm not an artist, right? Okay, that's not very beautiful. Um, that's my handiwork. Um, is God's. That's not CGI. That's a... I don't even know. That's a picture. It's a, so amazing. I don't even have words for it. Um, maybe you recognize this one. This is... The closest galaxy, which we could never get to because it's millions of light years away, but the Andromeda galaxy. Amazing. It's another one of God's beautiful works of art. His fingers just... Another one. And then I got one last one here for you. Is this one. Look at all those stars. Look at that. Amazing, with his fingers. He just, each and every one. These are the work of God's fingers, and, and um, it's his work of art. He calls the stars by name. He's like, ah, yes, that's, 
X37419B. That's Bob. God knows the names of all those stars, and he knows your name, which is even more important than any one of those stars. Just incredible. He cares. So naturally, when we see this, when you think of that, yeah, God's just like placing stars and just beautiful things that were just now in the last hundred years discovering all these beautiful celestial things. Uh, you ask the question, what is man? Who are we? What is man that you are mindful of him? Because God exists, and because we see this, we see the work of his hands, who are we that God is mindful of us? And the son of man that you would care for him? It's a natural question to ask. You know, when I go out and I see stars, or when I go uh, up on Baker, or, or in the forest, or I, I go out and I see the harvest, I see the berry, just, you know, that peak berry season, there's something about it. You got Amazing, beautiful. I don't feel like a, you know, wow, I'm so big. I feel like, wow, I'm like, I'm like nothing. I'm like, so small. I feel tiny. Yeah, I want to show you another picture here. This one is taken by Voyager back in 1990 when it got uh, the, to the outer limits of our solar system. It's 13.7 billion miles away. Uh, so the Voyager turned around and, and it snapped a picture and it got it. And you've probably seen this picture before. It's uh, called the pale blue dot. And that's Earth. You probably can't even see it. Maybe you can. It's that little dot there. I'll change the picture a little bit closer. Um, it's right there. That's Earth. That's the first selfie of 1990. <laughs> Beautiful. And the conclusion is, is this. It's not that we're so insignificant, but rather, yeah, we're so small and tiny in the grand scheme of the cosmos, but guess what? Be even though we're so small, God cares. He loved us so much. You know the verse, that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Amen? Look at this verse. Verse 4, that phrase that you care for him, that's one word in Hebrew. And what that means, for those of you who are in the military, that's an inspection. Whether it's, if you can think of inspecting like your uniform or your weapon or your bunk, that's the inspection. It's to pay close attention, not just to see if something is wrong, but also to see something remarkable. That there is something remarkable, and I look, I'm like, wow, Andrew, there is something, yeah, no, I'm picking on you, sorry. Something remarkable about Andrew. God pays attention. We're made in his image. We're his children. Sometimes I look at my, my three kids, and, and I'm like, wow, like, this is so awesome. Like, these are my, my children. They have my characteristics, the good and the bad, which is, you know, we'll deal with that later. I think God's allowed me to be a youth pastor, so he could prepare me for the years to come, but we'll see. Um, but every single person on this earth made in the image of God. Now, now, I will say this. I know sometimes people say, well, everyone's God's children, and that's just not true. Only those who have uh, received Christ as their Lord and Savior. We are called children of God. We are indwelt with his spirit. Um, but all mankind is created in the image of God. It's amazing. There's a lot. And so what is man that you are mindful of him, that you care for him? Well, he cared so much that he made a way for you to know him, for your sins to be paid for through the cross. Not only that, but we we can know him through his word. He didn't leave us as orphans. You remember what Jesus said when he was going up? And his disciples were like, Jesus, how are you going to leave us? Like, what are we going to do? He's like, don't worry. I'm leaving you a helper. 
His Spirit, the God the Spirit indwelling in us, we are His temple. It's, it's amazing, and we praise God for that. Look at verse 5. Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings, or the angels, your version might say, and crowned him with glory and honor. It's a beautiful thing to be crowned with glory and honor. Um, look at the person next to you. It's okay. You can yeah. The other person. Yeah, look around. It's okay, guys. Yeah, we're all here in the same place. Listen to the same sermon. Uh, I love creation. Beautiful. And I could talk about it all the time. But I see you guys, and you guys are made in the image of God. And the, the, you have his imprint on you. Beautiful. Amazing. Crowned with glory and honor. Um, and yet, so oftentimes we distort that image through the actions that we do. Our sin, it distorts that glory, distorts that honor. You know the biggest hurdle that I face with youth ministry is, is Satan's attack to, um, is Satan's strategy is, is deceiving. Did God really say? That's what he tells us. Adults and especially kids, that's the battle we fight. Did God really say? Did God really say this line is here and it shall not be moved? Did God really say not to do this? Did God really say that this is right or wrong? That's tough. And that's what the kids that I work with are bombarded each and every day. Look at this. Colossians 2.8 says, See that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirit of the world, and not according to Christ. Satan's strategy is still the same, my friends. Do not be deceived. Did God really say? Yes, he did. And his words are unchanging. And I love this passage as well. Oh, my slides crashed. So can you go to the next slide for me? Um, it, oh, one more back, sorry. I'm just trying to catch up. Um, it says this, but to all who did receive him, he believe, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become what? Children of God. Next slide. Who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Crowning you with glory and honor and, and making you in his image. God has done this. God has done this work in his life. And it's not our strength or or our goodness, but rather because of his good will. Because God willed for this to happen. Almost done with the passage here. Moving on to verses uh, 6 to 8. reads this. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. All sheep and oxen and also the beasts of the fields. The birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. God has given us this world. He's given us dominion over it. And it's beautiful to see everything that, that we've produced from it. Um, but he's entrusted us with responsibilities. We're caretakers of this. And one day, one day, it will all be renewed. It will all be made perfect. No more thorns, no more thistles, no more wasps, maybe. Um, but then, you know, so this is, again, the Psalm of David. He's singing this out. He's telling of God's awesomeness and just his grandeur. And then and he, he, start, he ends it the same way that he, he began um, in verse 9 by saying this. Yahweh, our Adonai, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. 
And I started out by saying, you know, there's, I hope there's a reason you can praise God for today. And I hope by now you can start to think and see, wow, there's a lot that I can praise God about. There's a lot. Um, life is not easy at times, and we know this. We experience this. We see it firsthand. But to be reminded that God cares, that God sees, that he cares, again, that is that inspection, looking to see not only is something wrong, but, but because there's something magnificent there, that God cares. And so what do we do in light of this? We praise God. We praise him. So my challenge to you is this. In light of this psalm, many of you have heard this, you know this, you live it. That's awesome. Go tell someone. Go tell someone. We are ambassadors for Christ. We bear his image. We bear his name. Go tell someone. And maybe you're like, well, Danny, I don't have the right words. Well, tell them this. Hey, you should come to church with me. That's awesome. Entrust it to, to the Lord through Pastor Sean or whoever's preaching that day that God's word will go out and, and convict their hearts and transform their lives. Go tell someone. Because this word, is, if it's true, and it is true, is too good to hide. So go, go, because we are all missionaries here in Linden and Whatcom County. We're going to go into a time of communion now, um, and I'm going to ask Pastor Sean to come and facilitate that. May God bless you.